Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Tracy Drage is an occupational therapist and certified ADHD provider in Temple, Texas. She started her OT private practice in order to have more flexibility as she cared for a sick family member. Although the Rise Center was born out of a sad situation, she has been able to turn it into a happy one by caring for children and families who benefit from her services. I've gotten to know Tracy during her time in the Grow Your Private Practice program as she is looking to expand her OT private practice by hiring her first SLP. In this episode, she talks about her goals with hiring, how she's marketed her practice, how she's starting to integrate systems as she grows, and how she's truly becoming the CEO of her business and her life. She also shares an interesting aspect of her life, which is that she's a competitive tennis player, and she's built her private practice schedule in a way to accommodate her tennis schedule, which I absolutely love. If you have a private practice that you're looking to grow, especially if you want to have a multidisciplinary practice, this is a must-listen episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? I'm Tracy Draghi, and I own Rice Center located in Temple, Texas. I am so excited to have you on because I've really gotten to know you in the Grow Your Private Practice program, where we really help people with things like hiring and systems and marketing and really becoming the CEO of your business and your life. And Tracy, you've been a great example of someone who's who's been able to do that and is really on the right path to being able to do that. But before we talk about how you've grown your private practice, can you take us back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about how you got started? Well, um, so I've been in practice for 20 plus years, and I kind of always had a little dream in the back of my head of what it would look like if I could create my own space kind of thing. And um but I really wasn't driven to do it until actually my mom was sick and I was taking care of her. 
And so I needed a lot of flexibility to take care of them. And so I gradually pulled in some private pay clients um, and everything. And so we did that. And eventually it became something to look forward to. And um, so literally uh, my credentialing was done at an MD Anderson waiting room, um, you know, you name it. And so uh, at the end of the day, I'm here, I'm growing, and I've got this beautiful practice. So it's kind of an emotional story, I guess, but um, but at the same time, it's a beautiful one. So. Absolutely. Right. Well, I think a lot of people, you know, people get into private practice for different reasons. Right. And a lot of people really do get into it for the flexibility. And when they say that, it is often because of caring for family members, right? Whether it's children, whether it's parents, whether it's, you know, other loved ones, or also having the flexibility to do other things, which we'll we'll get to uh, to that a little bit later. <laughs> right. But that really is the impetus why a lot of clinicians start private practices is for the flexibility. So I'm really happy to hear that 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 was, you know, um, not the circumstances, but that you were able to use private practice as a vehicle to work for yourself and have that flexibility. Yeah. And it created a bright place. It created at the end of the day, I'm going to get to play with kids and I'm going to get to make just the perfect environment for them. Um, And so it's just it's kind of beautiful. It's families feel at home here and um, and it's kind of cool to create that. So. I love that. I just love I love when people create things that work for them. Right. Before I started recording, you talked about how it's really nice to have your private practice work around your life. Right. So continuing with this theme of flexibility, can you share what you mean by that and how you've made your private practice work around your life? Uh, Well, (laughs) you know, whenever it's time to create the schedule. Um, I'm a work hard, play hard kind of girl. And um, so I'm a mom and um, I'm a tennis player. (laughs) And so, so yeah, so I've just kind of created the schedule around the things that I need to do. Oh, and then I have a side business. So, um, and everything. So I don't know. I've just created my schedule around my life and, and it's good. It's good. And it, I don't know, it's fun. Well, I like that, right? There, there's just different ways to think about it, right? I think that when most people start private practices or the way that I teach people to start private practices is to start on the side of your job. And not everybody does that, but some, a lot of people who have been in my programs have jobs in the schools or in the hospitals and they start seeing, you know, private clients on the side. And then at some point they decide to shift into full-time private practice, Right. But what can happen is sometimes when you make that shift, it's almost like you get stuck in old habits, right? Where all of a sudden you have this wide open schedule and you're like, well, let me just fill it with clients, right? Now I have the time to see clients. I might as well fill the whole thing. And then before you know it, your whole your whole schedule is packed and there's no room for the kids, no room for tennis, no room for other things. And that was the whole reason why you wanted to get into this, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, I it gets a little bit tricky sometimes. I, I won't lie. Um, <laughs> and I have to joke, like whenever I've got a family that wants that time that's right after tennis, I have to joke and I have to say, well, if I get in a long match, um, I may be a little sweaty when I come. And it has crossed my mind to put a shower in my building. 
that I can fly in and treat, you know, um, and, and, and be, re- be ready to treat and, and everything. So I kind of tell families, like whenever they pick that time, that's right after tennis, that it might be a little challenging, um, but I'll, you know, we can use this time, but it might be a little challenging and they're understanding and, and we're cool. It's a bit, only once we've had to reschedule, um, you know, and, uh, and stuff. And so, but they knew, you know, the family knows and stuff and, and they're pretty supportive and cute about it. But, uh, well, if you, if you, I'm not sure it's sweaty yet, <laughs> but you have, you have you set the expectations. I think that's the most important part, right? Is to kind of say like, listen, this is, this is what I do beforehand. Right. And so the kind of thing that could happen and probably I think most people are more understanding than sometimes people give credit for in terms of right. like a, the, people want you to be happy, right? People want the person who takes such good care of their children as a therapist to be doing wonderful things for herself too, right? So your families want that for you and you want that for you. And so as long as you tell people what the situation is, by and large, they're going to support you. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, but the problem is they play tennis in Austin, which is an hour away. <laughs> One time there's a traffic jam. All right. We, we, we rescheduled. It was all good. <laughs> like, listen to what Tracy's saying about prioritizing, right? Like she has her practice. She sees clients. She is earning income from her practice. But she also has the flexibility to do stuff with with her kids, with her family, and with her, what did you call it earlier, junior amateur? Okay, so my husband calls it my amateur pro tennis career. (laughs) And sometimes they'll say it strikes again. (laughs) (laughs) She gets hurt when she gets the tennis elbow or that. (laughs) Shoulder, knees, you know, you name it. Is, is that, you know, you've really created a life that works for you, works for your clients, works for your family, and, you know, works for your community. So my next question right. is, yeah, and your tennis partner, of course, right? So <laughs> so how, how have you started to grow your practice, right? So at what point did you decide, okay, I've got this small practice, I have my handful of private clients, at what point did you decide, you know what, I'm going to start to grow this thing? Um, I think once I had a space, then I needed to grow it. You know, at first I was just seeing families in their home, the little bits that I could. And then next thing you know, it's like, okay, I can create this space. I can do this. And um, and so then when you create the space, you've got the mortgage. And so, yeah, I better grow the sucker. And uh, <laughs> so... Early on, I did a little bit of marketing, you know, made my website, a little bit of Facebook marketing. Um, but really, once you had, once I had a few clients, it was all word of mouth um, growth. And I've come to a place where I've got to hire before I market or I have to do them in this finesse. I don't know. There needs to be a good recipe for that. Um, and everything because at this point I'm busy um, and everything. So, but I'm excited to try and grow. Yeah. Well, that's what happens, right? It's, it really becomes a capacity issue, right? You only have so many time, so much time during the day right. 
in order to see clients. And when that word of mouth marketing is fantastic, um, but for better or worse, it can be hard to control, right? So all of a sudden, right. once people know about you and they're trying to get on your schedule, and if your schedule is full and now you're putting people on a waiting list, right? And now to that what? point, I can't see them. And then usually what happens because we're therapists and helping people people is we start to feel guilty about it, right? We start to feel guilty about putting people on wait lists. And then we also start to maybe some people with a little bit more financial brain is kind of like, well, now I'm kind of also leaving money on the table, right? Like I'm telling people no, where I could be getting them in for services. So so what what happened in your brain when that kind of started to happen? Um, yeah, so I know that, okay, so I've got a big building <laughs> and there's offices to fill, you know, and, and one has a nice tray and then there's a big gym and a little gym and, um, but there's office spaces to grow and I think it's time to grow the vision, you know, beyond just pediatric OT that specializes in ADHD, um, you know, and so, so it's just, you know, it's just time to grow. And I've got, because my caseload has grown, I've grown financially so that I have the capacity to bring a speech therapy department on. Um, and then what's next? I don't know. I mean, I just kind of want to be here when kids have a need um, and everything. I want to be able to meet it here in Temple, Texas. Um, I don't want them to have to drive to Austin for it, um, you know, so... I don't know. Does that answer the question? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's wonderful, right? And it's very, it's very giving of you, right? To to think like, listen, I live, at, I live outside of a major city. Um, I've, I've been to Austin. I know traffic is nuts, right? So to have to drive into the city for services is really hard on families. And the other thing that I really liked that you said was that you you bought a building, right? Like you have a building, you have the space, you have the mortgage, and you need to fill it, right? There's two different right. ways that you that people handle this whole idea of office space. There are some people who get the space, and then that puts extra pressure on them to fill it. There's other people who fill the space slowly as they have the need. The problem with that can be that you're always having to upgrade your space and that that can also be challenging, right? Like you run out of room, right? Because you you don't have the vision of where you're going because you're moving a little slower, right? So there's nothing good or bad with either of those. It's two different ways to do it. But I've known a lot of people who almost get the extra space because they know it's going to light a fire under them (laughs) to fill that space, right? Sure. (laughs) So Tracy has a fire under her. And so um, so share with everyone, where are you in the process right now of, of hiring? Um, so I'm interviewing. Um, the girl program has been super helpful with that because figuring out the equation of like how much to pay, um, what benefits, how do I rent payroll? Um all those kinds of things. So at first I've hired somebody to help me with the billing because that is really wonderful. <laughs> so I have hired somebody part-time for that. And, I, and that has just been wonderful for the practice. Um, and so the next step is I'm ready to hire a speech therapist. And so I um, 
have been interviewing and I've come across a couple of really good candidates and um, I'll follow up with somebody today and I'm super helpful. But um, but anyways, I'm just looking for that perfect speech therapist who um, wants to create something beautiful. So, yeah. Well, well, I I love that you're already talking about the whole like leading with values thing, right? Like to me, that's a really important thing when when you are hiring is to attract a candidate who's not just looking for a job, but really looking to be part of a mission, right? And so I think that's really, really important. So um, I'm totally confident that you will find that person. And I'm happy to hear that the GROW program has helped give you the support that you've needed to, to think about the process of hiring and answer some questions about, you know, logistics and, and right. that thing, right? One of the other questions that I have for you has to do with systems, right? That's another big change between like the start phase and the grow phase is when you're first starting your practice, things are maybe a little bit willy nilly, right? You just kind of flying by the seat of your pants a little bit. And then all of a sudden people realize, wait a minute, I actually need to, you know, real businesses and air quotes scale with systems, right? And so what are some systems or at least one system that you have put in place that has helped you be more efficient as your practice is growing? Mm. Um, it's hard. I glaze over. <laughs> I, think we, I think it's the system. I mean, I, I really think it would be the, the system about like hiring is the most important one, um, you know, to me, because that's the, just where I'm at with growth. It's time to hire. How am I going to hire? And that was pretty overwhelming. Um, but the girl program gives you a system for hiring. Um, this is how you're going to interview. This is where you're going to look for candidates. This is, uh, you know, this is how, these are the factors that you're going to take into consideration when you, um, do hire, um, you know, and stuff. And so I think, so I guess it'd be the system of hiring that's been most important to me, but Definitely the other systems about like intake, um, evaluations. I mean, think about all those things. Those are on my to-do list. <laughs> Being a little bit of a procrastinator, um, you know, I'm focused in on what I need right now. And then I'm going to like reopen that box. And there's going to be a policy of procedures manual for the employee. <laughs> but uh but it but I feel like the grow program's given me those tools and that's really cool. So. Yeah. Well, I love that. And it's interesting because um you you're an owner or part owner of oil change companies, is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that limits to oil changes. Uh-huh. Okay, love it. So so I would I would assume that there's systems in place when someone pulls up for an oil change, right? I'm sure there's like a checklist and you know, you look at the mileage or right yeah that's franchise and so therefore like there is systems upon systems in place to um, (laughs) quality so you're thinking about making that parallel right is like okay that's the systems that work at at scale and and, i mean there's i don't know how many locations total they have right but like hundreds maybe thousands i don't know right but it's like i should know but it's really big number (laughs) (laughs) But anytime you go into um, like a chain restaurant, right, like a Starbucks or I don't know, McDonald's is the classic example. Like everything is pretty standardized and you kind of know what you're getting every time. Right. 
So as your practice starts to grow, it's really important to start to develop those kind of systems so that when the phone rings and there's a new referral, here comes the process, right? So just like an oil change place, they're looking at your miles and they're looking at whatever else they look at. (laughs) Y'all can tell that I'm not the one who handles the oil changes. Um, But nonetheless, it's a system. So the same thing will happen when you get um, intakes. And the cool thing is, is that, you know, the whole reason to do it too at the growth phase is so that someone else can do it, right? Because maybe you right. are doing intakes right now, but probably you're not going to be the one doing intakes at some point, right? Correct. Yes. And that's why I have this wonderful part an employee who will just maybe hopefully increase hours as needed um, and everything. So, uh, and so, yeah, and so the systems didn't need to be in place for her. And we definitely are putting the systems in place for her uh, as we go um, and everything. But it would have been good to maybe just have this before I hired her. But well, you know what? No time like the present, right? No, <laughs> no, no, you're right. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, one of the things is that, you know, both both OTs and SLPs tend to you to say that we hate to reinvent the wheel. Right. Everyone's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. And yet we can be really good at reinventing the wheel. Right. From time to time. Right. right. And so that's really what's what using systems in your practice helps you avoid is to just make things more efficient and faster. And again, whether it's you doing stuff or whether it's someone else doing it, whether it's a hiring system, whether it's an in, um, intake system, um, like a bill collection, insurance building, whatever. Um, you'll get to the point where you really start to to embrace systems as as you grow because they really will um, make stuff easier. Um, one of my questions has to do with really like income sources and basically what payer sources or revenue sources do you have for your practice? So um, most of my patients... I'm taking their insurance. And so I've credentialed with Blue Cross Blue Shield, Scott and White Health Plan, Medicaid. Um, and then I'm a certified non-network provider for TRICARE. And um, so those are the main ones. And then out of network for other insurance. And I use simple practice that has made that so much easier to bill. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm a big fan of simple practice, especially for um, especially for beginners or for the people in their first, you know, one to two years or even more of that than private practice. I mean, the name is simple practice and it truly they really do make it pretty simple. Um, Has increasing the number of insurance companies that you are credentialed with, has that also led to some growth? You know, I honestly think that uh i mean definitely when they call in um and they say and they and i take their insurance they're more likely to become my patient i don't see families finding me through the insurance company i know that happens for a lot of other providers but i think families are finding me through word of mouth um and everything and and that is just the biggest thing i mean my coolest referral ever came from a piano teacher of a patient of mine. Uh, so the piano teacher saw how well this child was doing. And so she told another family about it. And I was just like, 
okay, I get whenever a parent, like I'm, I love it when parents refer me to other families, but like that the piano teacher noticed and referred me like that was, I felt like I had arrived. <laughs> love that. I love that story. And and that's the kind of thing where you do kind of feel that you've arrived, right? When it's, it's one thing when it's like direct people who've had experience with you, but like this is more of an indirect person. So that's a huge testament of what you were able to help, you know, one child achieve that they thought, you know, you could help with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. I love that. I love that. Okay. So my last question is having to do with like the role of stepping into the CEO role. So what is a way that you have shifted either how you do things or how you think about things to be a little bit more, you know, CEO-like in the last couple of months after being in the GROW program? I mean, I think it's like taking that next leap of adding therapists to the to my clinic, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's taking that leap. I think it was something that I knew I wanted to do. I have the space to do. Um, but I feel like the grow program is just helping me, um, meeting people in the grow peak program is helping me because you can sit there and problem solve with them, um, and everything and, and stuff. And you hear their questions and you're like, oh, that's a really good question. You know, maybe I didn't think of that question, but well, am I glad to hear this conversation, you know? Um, so, so that's what I would say is like, okay, I'm a great solo therapist. Um, how do I take that leap to fill that space? Um, and to fill that space with like wonderful services that these families are looking for, um, and everything. So love that. And I love how you talked about really the importance of being in community with other growth focused people, right? It's, a, you know, when, you, when you're just starting, right? And I, I obviously have a whole program called the START program. And that's wonderful for a beginner, right? It's, that's what that whole program is geared for. And it is fantastic for getting people started. Um, but at some point, when you're beyond the beginner level, you really do want to move. I'm going to use, you know, kind of the phrase. I don't actually like this phrasing, but I guess I'm just going to say it. But it's almost like you're moving from like, you know, the the kiddie pool to like the big pool or something like that, right? You're kind of moving from the just getting started area to being with people who are further along than you. And it's really important to make that leap because people are asking different questions. They're asking bigger questions. They're asking questions that you've never thought, ever thought of, right? And so that's, that's what's important is to kind of, you know, um, okay, here we go with like a Hamilton reference, but like to be in the room you know, where bigger things are happening and being able to hear questions, hear conversations. And I think that that really does help you think bigger by seeing what other big picture thinkers are thinking, right? Right. I think so. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Well, okay. Wonderful. Um, So are there any like pieces of advice if there's anyone listening who, you know, has started their practice and they're kind of at that phase where they're like, I don't know, should I just stay like a small solo provider with a handful of clients or should I grow this thing? Like what advice would you give to a person in that situation? You know, I think sometimes early on, um, I created a to-do list that was super unrealistic for the day. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna do all these great things today. And I would get some great things done that day because 
that plan was really unrealistic. And, um, but I think as you go and as you grow, you look back and if you look over a few months or a month or a year, wow, I did all of that. You know, <laughs> I credentialed with all of those companies, um, you know, and I built the caseload and, and everything. And so, um, so I think sometimes don't get bogged down in that ridiculous list you created for yourself. Like I love, we just have that time management thing. Um, and I need that in my life. <laughs> the Tracy who like, plays tennis and the heat for two hours and drives from Austin and just automatically starts like treating children and doing, you know, wonderful things with these children. Um, she needs a little time management in her life, you know, <laughs> so that we can write about, the, you know, the wonderful treatment, you know, and everything. So I don't know. So yeah, I think I don't get like, don't sh- be upset with yourself for the things that you didn't get done. Look over the whole picture because it's pretty amazing um, what you can get done. Um, and all you're going to look and your caseload's full and um, it's time to hire that everything. And so um, that's really cool. Yeah. There's a famous quote that I don't know who said it, but it's something along the lines of, that we overestimate the things that we can do in a day and we underestimate the things we can do in a year. And that's exactly what you're talking about, right? And in context, we had um, an amazing SLP and a private practitioner and time management coach named Teresa Harp come to the GROW program and do an amazing talk about time management for clinicians, for private practitioners. And it was super helpful. I think that it was, you know, lasted a little over an hour and we just all walked away with such amazing tips. And some of it might've been things that you had already heard before, right? But it was just in how she encouraged us to implement it, especially from someone who herself is a private practitioner. She also happens to be a mom with, you know, four kids under the age of five or something like that. So she really knows um, time management. And so that's a really important, really like CEO skill to develop is to think about like, how are you using your time? What what is a good use of your time? What's possibly not a good use of your time? Because as your practice starts to grow, you do have to sort of think about how you as the owner is using your time. And like, there's certain things that need to get done, right? But you don't have to be the one to do it, right? Right. Yes. So Yes. Yeah. And so that's each therapist who loves to develop the program. <laughs> well, without like um balance too, right? And and hiring people who have a different zone of genius, right? And so so you being an OT and hiring an SLP, not only will you have like a you know, a clinical, you know, zone of genius or whatever with like a different clinical skill set, but it is a really good idea to hire people, you know, for the values um that your, you know, company values or whatever, but also maybe for other skill sets that the person sure. will be able to bring into the practice that they love, right? Like it's very yeah. important to me. I like, I do not like spreadsheets. And I know that there's some of you who are listening who like right. love spreadsheets. <laughs> I do not love spreadsheets, right? But there's lots of people who do. And so if you're going to be running a company and if you don't like spreadsheets, KPIs, analytics, those kinds of things, that's fine. 
But you're going to need somebody on your team or a bookkeeper or an accountant or somebody who geeks out about that stuff and loves that stuff and can help you like whether they present it in a way that's more appealing to you or you can understand it more, right? But but working with people in your zone of genius is also really important. Or in their zone of genius, you have yours and then together it's a beautiful thing. I think so. Yep. So, yeah. I love it. Or we can share that whole, <laughs> look at the numbers. <laughs> well, let's do the numbers differently. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes people look at the same numbers and see different things, right? Like um, my wife is a pediatric physical therapist. And so when we go to the playground with our kids, you know, she's noticing, you know, kids with, you know, hemiplegia or with, you know, different, I don't know, shaped heads or something like that. And like that, I don't notice that stuff at all, right? I'm noticing what they're saying or how they're communicating or how they're not communicating or whatever, right? And so you, you sometimes look at the same information but you're interpreting it in two different ways, depending on the lens that you're looking through it. And that's one of the things that's also really important with growth is to get another set of eyes on what's happening. Because sometimes we can be um, accidentally, you know, have blinders on and, and think like, OK, well, I am very clear on what to do. And someone else who maybe has either more experience or different experience or something might look at the same situation completely different. And so that's why it's another good idea to be in community and have coaching with, you know, private practitioners who are further along than you are sure. so who can give that that advice, right? Right. Absolutely. I like that. Fantastic. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story in terms of how you started and how you grew Thank you for being a member of the Grow Your Private Practice program. I've loved to watch you grow. And I also can't wait to see, you know, what happens, you know, in the next year or so for you. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you posted. And thank you for being yeah, here. Well, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Don't you just love Tracy? I love how she created a private practice with flexibility in mind. Between caring for her family members and her tennis career, having flexible hours has allowed her to have significantly more control over her time than she would if she was working in a regular setting. It's also always great to have the OT perspective, whether it's the podcast or in our programs, which is something that we're getting more and more of every day. If you would like to know more about the Start or Grow Your Private Practice programs and how we help support SLPs and OTs who want to start, grow, or scale successful private practices, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Till then. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.